Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. And now, welcome to our annual March Madness Show, a production of the Colin McEnroe Show, Connecticut Public, and Contreras Quality Productions. Every year we get together to try to figure out how not to figure out March Madness College Basketball. And now, let's meet our exciting panel for the day, very similar to the panels we've had on other days like this one. Paid $250,000 for that fanfare. I really should use it more often, actually. Worth every penny. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, I, we didn't. That was by... Yeah, I want to talk to Craig Wedron sometime. We've been using this fanfare of his since 2010. Um, all right. So let me just tell you, And but I've like never, you know, I assume we pay. I don't know. Uh, anyway, let's let's talk, talk about the, the show today. Every year we uh, do uh, talk about March Madness. Uh, Jonathan McNichol is saying 2010 is, in fact, when we started doing this. There was one year where instead of basketball, we did a bracket for the state bird of Connecticut. Although in fairness, in fairness, because I went back and looked at that bracket, and Sue Bird was one of the people on the bracket. I mean, everybody, everybody else was a bird except my dog, <laughs> except my dog Ralph. Um, but that was an aberration. Usually we try to talk about basketball, not in a very super basketball-y way. Uh, but uh, here to do it once again today, uh, Bill Curry, playing the part of Bill Curry. Uh, Julia Pistel, founding member of CT Improv, among the multitude of other things she does, including occasionally produce this show, uh, episodes of this show. Uh, look for her very exciting Rasputin show coming up sometime in the weeks ahead. Uh, Frankie Graziano is a reporter for Connecticut Public. They're all here in the first segment. Uh, in the second segment, you will meet as part of our ongoing commitment to featuring one, and we don't mean this pejoratively at all. You could get the wrong idea. Uh, but uh, our, our commitment to featuring one somewhat obscure college that happens to be in the draw. Uh, and this year it will be St. Peter's University. Uh, we will talk to the president of St. Peter's University. This all kind of started with, with Wofford. You know, Wofford used to kind of make the draw every time. And so we would have the, we had the president of Wofford on like six times in a row or something. Anyway, all, a lot of stuff is happening. It's all very exciting. But nothing is more exciting really in life, actually, than the moment when Julia Pastel unveils the method she is using to handicap uh, or otherwise predict the outcomes of the games. It's never the same thing. She changes it up every year. It's never a particularly prudent way for you to bet on games, uh, assuming that you're committed to winning money when you bet. Uh, But it's time to do that. Julia, what have you got for us this year? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, I can't believe I've been doing this for so many years. This started as a one-off joke about how little I know about basketball. And I I don't think I've watched a single basketball game in the 12 years since we've begun. So I'm sticking to the theme. (laughs) Although this year I am, I was saying a bill, my back was against the wall. I had no ideas. And then I came up with what I'm very excited about. We are going fight song to fight song this year. 
everybody. I looked up 68 fight songs. I listened to them. I read their lyrics. I went completely down the rabbit hole. Um, and it's going to be wild. Are, are you okay after doing that? I mean, are you like lightheaded <laughs> at all? Or you... Honestly, yeah. no. I I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, but it, it was fun. It was all right. fun. Well, you know, I, even though I can tell Bill and Frankie are champing at the bit to get in here and actually talk about basketball, I think we need to sort of like spend a moment or two with this. So, Kat, let's try 01. This is the Ohio State fight song, better known as Buckeye Battle Cry. That sounds like to me. It sounds like a fight song. Um, I mean, yeah, they, and you know why? Yeah. Because they are almost all sound identical. Right. Which is a major it's, problem I ran into um, during my deep research. Bill, did you have something every, you wanted to say? Every one of them perfectly suitable for a military parade. Right. Um, and and so now theoretically we could. Although we can't because we don't have it. But uh, I think the Ohio State Buckeyes are playing the Loyola Ramblers in the first round. We could conceivably have played their fight song, too. We're going to do that with Yale and Purdue a little bit later. But just in terms of helping you pick a winner, Julia, because obviously there's another level of ratiocination that goes along with that. And I'm just sort of wondering, you know, what do you do once you've heard the, the fight songs in question? Yeah. So, okay. There's a lot of elements to this. And as always, (laughs) I'd like to remind our listeners that I spent an average of four minutes per school. So we're going to be riddled with errors and just wild swinging assumptions on my part. But um, 136 minutes of your life, you'll never get back. But anyway, continue. (laughs) Fight songs are, they're really interesting because they, they started, well, I mean, they're a tradition around the world, but they are really strange little piece of Americana. They all have some essential elements um, and those include um, nonsense syllables, sometimes a lot of spelling uh, or clapping. Um, There's a lot of war imagery and, you know, fight, fight, fight kind of stuff going on. And then of course there's like the musical analysis, which I'm not smart enough about music to do, but I gave it a shot in certain places. Um, so in this case, I really like Buckeye Battle because Buckeye Battle Cry, because that snare at the beginning is very exciting, it's very dramatic. Um, and I also looked up um all of the the lyrics to all these songs. So you might not always hear them, and in a lot of cases, you wouldn't even know them because that's not how they're played at the games, but To me, they count. So, for example, Buckeye Battle Cry. Um, Here are some lines from it. In old Ohio, there's a team that's known throughout the land, 11 warriors brave and bold, whose fame will ever stand. Um, So those are the first couple lines. They were written by a vaudeville performer. And honestly, that sounds pretty boring, but compared to other fight songs, that's extremely descriptive. So big points for me. For example, Loyola has... Go ahead. You... Ra, ra, 
cheer for alma mater. <laughs> Boo, boring. So Ohio State took this one for me. All right, yeah. No, that seems like a very a reasonable choice. I did want to just point out that, you know, Julia talked about nonsense syllables, which I think is really true. A lot of these fight songs do have nonsense syllables. And this is compounded by the fact that the people singing the fight songs are not always sober. Uh, and so to give you a sense of what that can turn into, here are some fans of the Richmond uh, Spiders, the University of Richmond Spiders. Uh, they're called the Peanut Group. Uh, they are about to sing Ra, Ra for Richmond, and they are very drunk. It, it doesn't get a lot better. I think we could. Um, so, um, well, we'll come back to this. We'll come back to all yeah, of this. Yeah. Uh, that some, is the song to sing if you're drunk. Yeah, it's a good song to sing if you're drunk, right? Yeah, you're you just, happen to be drunk. Yeah. Get the, get the music and lyrics to that. Right. It's yeah. like, you know, you, if you're drunk, you don't want to tackle, you know, I'm not getting married from Company by yeah, Sondheim. Sondheim. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. you want to do rah, 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 rah. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't do karaoke with Julia Pistel. Uh, all right, so let's bring in one of our other very exciting features. Somebody actually knows quite a bit about sports and basketball in particular, uh, and uh, that would be Frankie Graziano. But, Kat, I think it's time to unveil the sounder. No, do it again. Just the there, it's good. Try it one more time. Does it have to reset? Does it have to reload? There we go. Accu Frankie sounds good. All right, so... <laughs> Cat's <laughs> drunk too. It's okay. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. I've come to life. Yeah, you have come to life. Does, do you get excited when you hear your sounder? I know the first time we did it, I you did. Were, I was going to be depressed if the pandemic took that away. Yeah. I was going to be upset. The first time we did it, you were kind of like on a phone connection. I think you were at the Civic Center or something, yes. the Excel Center, and you thought that the sounder was saying "F you, Frankie." F you, Frankie. Yeah, which is not. We would never say that. You know, it's okay if you did. I just no, couldn't no. hear it. That's we, what it we sounded would like. Never, and didn't like somebody like text you. Yeah, and somebody say, called me and said they're saying "f you" on the radio. <laughs> I said that's not the first time they're yeah. saying that on the radio. F you, no. See, that's I don't know how your your friend must have been drunk too. Um, <laughs> so um, I don't know. Where do you want to start? I guess we should start with some of the the local teams. And I know you and Bill want to talk a little bit about women's basketball. Frankie, I was struck by, I don't really pay any attention to this most of the time, but I was struck by looking at the AP uh, All-America women's teams. They have three decks of them, and for some reason or other, there's six in the first team. I guess they couldn't make up their minds or something. But there's nobody from the UConn women's team. that must have never happened before for many, many, many. You know, years. it's 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 different. This is a different UConn year because there were so many injuries on the team. I mean, Kristen Williams has been pretty much healthy the whole year, but I mean, she's the snub, I guess, if if you were to look at it this way. The senior who was the most outstanding uh, tournament player in the uh, Big East, but you didn't have Paige Beckers all year. AZ Fudd, the the new freshman phenom, didn't uh, get to play. Just a ton of injuries, and they're kind of rounding into form, and I guess that's going to be a good thing for UConn and bad for their opponents coming up here. 
You know, Frankie sounds a little bit different from a lot of our guests. It's because this is the first time in, see, McPants loves numbers and stuff, but this is the first time in like 700 and something days that I have had somebody on the show with me who's in a studio right next door. We're separated by, you know, virus-proof glass, but but Frankie is like here in the studio. Which, Looking right at you. Yeah, I have not, talked, you, to, <laughs> I have not <laughs> talked to anybody uh, on, uh, on anything other than a Zoom connection or anything better than a Zoom connection uh, since, uh, you know, we're in two years, more than two years. So, um, you know, I mean, a, another legit, uh, real, honest to Pete. Well, actually, we should stay with the women's game for a second because, Bill Curry, I know you like to talk about the women's game, too. Despite having ruined the greatest women's basketball game in the history of women's basketball for me with your behavior. Um, <laughs> which one was this? Which game was this? Yeah. Was, Colin and I were in middle school at the time. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, it was ahead, like but, the, but, but feel free to, to trot this old chestnut out. Well, it, it was like this really famous game, which was UConn versus, I don't know what year it was. Notre Dame. Yeah, it was, I knew that part. It was UConn versus Notre Dame. Didn't Jeff Goldberg write a whole book about it, how it's like this is the greatest basketball game or women's basketball game ever played or something? But anyway, we're sitting there in the, at, you know, in, in the field house watching this game, and he becomes obsessed in a very unwholesome and borderline creepy way with <laughs> Kelly Schumacher to the point where, like, all he can think of is, why aren't they throwing the ball at Kelly? Kelly, Kelly's open. Why, why aren't they? Why is Kelly going to the bench? Why is he taking her out of the game? Put Kelly back out on the court. It was like that for, like, two hours, basically. And, yeah. and meanwhile, this incredible game was happening, and I was just sort of apologizing to people around us, saying, you know, we're going to get him into a program. He's not always going to be like this. You know, just as a portal into Collins' extraordinarily creative <laughs> imagination, let me just review the actual facts. It won't take 10 seconds. Uh, so we're at this game. It's Notre Dame. It is one of the greatest games I ever saw. Man, 2011, 2011, I'm being told. Yeah, that, not middle school. And, uh, and, uh, and they did take Kelly Schumacher out of the game, and, they, and Notre Dame had a great center, and the tide turned in Notre Dame's favor. And I made the mistake of, of, of saying – Probably twice, not shouting, but saying to Colin, they should put her back in the game, get her back in the game, which they did and things got better. That's the whole thing. And now it's 11 years later and this uh, this propaganda is still being skewed. So you're, you're going to say that that I and other spectators did not have to restrain you from running out onto the court. <laughs> That's your story now that that oh, didn't happen? Well, well, that's true, but that's what I was running up to attack a referee. All right. Okay. That might have been you know, different. It's a different. It's a different part of the story. Oh, can we talk about that? So, Frankie, this is actually uh, a trend. It's like maybe everybody got Bill Curry syndrome or something because, like, the coaches this year, not on the women's side so much, but on the men's side, the coaches seem kind of out of control. Yeah, psychotic, I would say, uh, borderline. Uh, you know, you, you have the situation that everybody knows about with Juwan Howard. He kind of – I don't think they're calling it a punch. It was more like a swipe with the Michigan head coach after they lost by, like, 14 to them last month. Uh, the one I get to watch a lot when I go to UConn games is Dan Hurley. Like uh, I'm just mystified every time I'm watching a UConn game because I'm looking down at the guy and he's just – it's almost like he could be a liability because he's a, he's a walking technical foul. Uh, he got kicked out of the big game against Villanova. You know, you got a, a, an honorable mention for the angriest coach of all time and Mike Krzyzewski. He's, he's going away. This is his last tournament. So I'm just always finding myself looking at the sidelines when I'm watching games in, in college basketball. 
Right. Um, well, I, actually, of course, when Jim Calhoun, Calhoun was coaching UConn, it was often something of an education for the little ears of children who are sitting near the bench. Uh, <laughs> raised... Hurley's like Hurley's like the young Calhoun. He's like the, yeah, okay. Yeah, but with Calhoun, though, he's got like that presence about him where you just don't want to test him. You're not going to laugh at him if he's if he's upset or anything like that. You're more apt to listen. I, I, I chuckle yeah, a little bit at some of these newer coaches. Yeah. We should do it. <laughs> we should say we should say about Joanne Howard too. I mean, the reason that yeah. he hit hit or slapped the Michigan coach was because the Michigan coach had called a timeout. That was what he was enraged by. The game was a little bit out of reach. The guy had like his you know his bench out on the floor because he'd already got the had the game won. But then they were like pressed, they were full court press or something. He thought maybe I'll call a timeout. Just tell my 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 scrubs what to do about that. And that's what flipped Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard six <laughs> eleven. I want nothing to do with that. Right. Uh, so that's not good. We we approve of good sportsmanship here. So, um, Frankie, another thing we should just talk a little bit about is the role of betting and all this. Now, a lot of people Ooh. are going to take Julia Pistel's fight song thing, and they're going to you know they're going to get online or whatever, and they're going to make some bets. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there is a way it seems to have saturated the game a little bit. Well, first of all, I always got to say when we're covering these betting stories, there's a way to help, and you can call the Connecticut Council on Problem Gambling. Go to ccpg.org to find out more about that. Not literally a, not nearly a sponsorship, but I talk too, about sports betting too much, and I feel like I'm starting to give people habits. But sports betting, uh, the big events that we've seen, obviously, are NFL games. That's really a big draw. Uh, the biggest draw is the Super Bowl. That was supposed to have like $7.6 billion wagered on it. But the state of Connecticut didn't make so much money on that because it was one NFL game. The month before, they actually made a ton of money off of all of the NFL playoff games in January. So you're having a little bit of a, of a challenge right now in terms of making money. You, you need something else to step in for football. I guess what better than March Madness? So all these games, people being unproductive at work like us, look at us talking about basketball during work. Uh, I guess maybe that can help the state's bottom line a little bit and help them make money. And, you know, it's not just uh, pools and March Madness pools and square pools and all that nowadays. Now people are actually going to DraftKings, FanDuel, Sugar House to, to make bets on actual games and spreads. I thought Sugar House was a dating site. That's how um... – <laughs> You know, you should have. That's ask, where you started in the pandemic. That's where that's your that's your dating app, Sugar House. Sugar House. So, um, oh, now I've lost my train of thought. So, um, well, we should just say one or two other things about Mike Shashevsky, and he's of course been the coach of Duke since the 1840s, um, and, and 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 this is his last year. Probably Gonzaga will end his coaching career. That's if you sort of look at how the brackets work out and stuff like that. If Duke wins a few games at the beginning, uh, they'll get crushed by Gonzaga. But I'm sure Bill Curry, during that time, Coach K, I think he gets credit for maintaining the punchability of Duke. You know, there's just sort of a way in which no matter who's on the court, you just you want Juwan Howard to go out there and punch some of them. Uh in no place is this more true than in Connecticut. Um, he is a he is a universally reviled figure outside of North Carolina, but in Connecticut he really you know was the Darth Vader Voldemort figure when when the two teams were cresting in the late nineties and early two thousands and meeting each other of course for the famous upset in nineteen ninety nine UConn's first national championship, uh, and uh, and and we've just we so we really hate him. His his retirement. I I, I was just thinking about it the last couple of days that. He's almost the last. Maybe Jim Beheim is the exception. But for your older listeners um, who actually follow basketball, so for you four people, uh, 
there was this great John Thompson at, U at, at Georgetown, Jim Calhoun at UConn, uh, 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 Raleigh Massimino, Lou Carnesecca. There were these power, these colorful coaches who built the Big East, who were in a kind of golden age of basketball, college basketball, of, uh, you know, of magic versus bird in, 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 uh, onto the 80s and 90s. And the game has changed. And one of the things about uh, Krzyzewski is that he changed with it in a lot of ways. Uh, we've seen the one-and-done players who just sort of used college for a, a chance to profile for the pros. This year, we have two new leagues that actually pay high school students up to $100,000 a year to leave high school and play basketball. Uh, one And, and, and uh, we have the Supreme Court ruling on uh, student compensation for playing. The game itself is more and more, as it has for a long time, but following the pro model, it's a much more open game, a lot more threes, a lot more floor spacing, a lot more star-driven uh, 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 basketball. And so I look at, uh, at, at Krzyzewski, who's managed to succeed in the old system, which was a different kind of game played under very different rules, and into this new age where I think he, he probably is likely to go down in, in, in that Elite Eight game. Uh, uh, against Gonzaga, but it would be a, a pretty noble finish for him, actually, at the end of his career. Right. We're going to have to move. We have to move. It's a reminder that the yeah. game has changed. We do have to move on because we have the president uh, of, of one of uh, one of our favorite colleges, St. Peter's <laughs> University, who's about to join us. I do want to say that one of the big changes that Bill's talking about that you can see, you know, the University of Texas right now, they don't even have a basketball coach. They have five guys from Goldman Sachs who now just <laughs> run the team, you know, and uh, they don't even hire a basketball coach. Okay, before we get to the president uh, of St. Peter's University, let's go out with a one more of Julia's uh, fascinating w ways of predicting these games, uh, and that is by pitting one fight song against another. On Friday at 2 p.m., Purdue will uh, will play uh, Yale University. Uh, so this is 05, Cat. Let's hear Purdue's fight song. It has words, too, but we don't have time to get to them. Um, and so and we'll go out of this segment with the Yale fight song uh, for people who, who don't know. It's written by Cole Porter. I'm not making that up. Uh, and it goes, Bulldog, Bulldog, bow, wow, wow, Eli Yale. Cole Porter was just getting started at that point. I mean, you know, Night and Day would come a couple of weeks after that. I think he wrote Night and Day. So, um, so Julia, uh, how would you project this one? Yeah, um, this is a good one, actually, because they're both pretty cheesy. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's a fair fight. Um, but I gave it to Purdue. I thought um, Purdue's was really nostalgic. So the lyrics are, may our hearts with love be yearning for the scenes of old Purdue. Uh, fondest hopes oh. and aims air finding while we sing of days of yore. And while that is very collegiate <laughs> early like Stephen Foster kind of feel <laughs> well most of these are basically about breaking somebody else's neck so I like the gentle tone of the Purdue one um the Bow Wow Wow one I also thought was really fun but you know ultimately just stupid so 
<laughs> a close, a close matchup for me, but I gave it to Purdue. All right, that's probably one one of Julia's predictions that you probably could successfully put money on. I would expect Purdue to win to well, cover the spread. In fact, they wrote a new lyric to the fight song, which is, "We have the tallest center in this tournament. <laughs> He's seven four. Your tallest guy is six foot seven. Um, well, actually, Colin, one more thing. I know we're going to the break, but I was shocked to find. I think this is actually my most accurate method. The stronger teams also have better songs. Right. It's really, really interesting. Is that like backed so, up? Is that really backed up by science at this point, though? All right, we have to take a break. Sure. <laughs> We're going to go out of this segment with the Yale fight song. We'll come back with the president, the president of a university that we are coming to know and love. One of the little schools in this draw. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. All right, so that is uh, Io Pavo. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, the fight song of St. Peter's University, uh, and we are uh, sung by St. Peter's University Alumni Glee Club, which includes the historian Will Durant, who went there. Um, actually, I don't know that he's in that Glee Club, and he's actually not with us anymore. But I think so. Joining us now, I've sort of bungled this introduction in my usual charming way. Uh, is the president of St. Peter's University, Eugene J. Kornakia. Uh, we are excited to have him uh, here today. Uh, welcome to our show, first of all, President Kornakia. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to join you. So this is a very small school. Um, uh, undergraduates, what, a little bit over 2,000? Correct. And um, is this the first time you, you've, uh, the Peacocks, we should say the Peacocks, um, is this the first time the Peacocks have played in the big draw, the big dance? Oh, no. Oh, no. My goodness. Uh, 2011, I remember it very vividly. Uh, very exciting time. We uh, we went to Chicago for that one and uh, went up against Purdue. Gave them a run for their money. Right. So I'm being told 91, 95, uh, 2011, and 2022. Correct. Um, yes. And are, are, is it the only team that you're aware of that is known as the Peacocks? 
Um, like the yeah. only you know Division One. I, I think you might be the only Division One peacocks. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, and is this? It has something to do with the resurrection too. There's a way in which the the peacock is connected to that. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yeah. The the then college actually had to close during uh, World War One because there were no men anymore available, uh, and we were all men at that point. And so uh, it was coming out of that that we adopted. Uh, the peacock really as our mascot. All right. So obviously we're here today to talk about a small group of people on your campus who really distinguish themselves uh, in a very exciting way, uh, a club of people who brought, brought great honor and distinction uh, to, to St. Peter's. Cat, uh, this is B1. Let, let's, let's hear from them. Or not. They're there's no B1? All right. No, well, then we will forget about that then. Okay. So um, I, I just want to ask, because you are a small school, first of all, we should say you're playing someplace called Kentucky. I don't. What have they ever done? Have they ever won anything? I'm not aware. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 they're a little bit bigger than we are, you know? Yeah. So, um, but what's the mood like on campus? It's got to be kind of a morale booster, particularly, you know, here we are, uh, you know, uh, two years into a pandemic. Uh, I'm on a campus one day a week these days. I know what that's sort of done to the, you know, I can see a little bit of what that's done to student yeah. morale. Nothing great. So wh- what is this doing for student morale? It has jazzed up the entire uh, campus community. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that um, with COVID shutdown, uh, last year, we were really competitive, and then, of course, everything just came to a grinding halt. Uh, and so this year, we, we've got what we believe we deserved in the past. Uh, and it's especially important this year to us because we, we now have this beautiful new basketball arena uh, that we've, you know, we, we've created with a beautiful Hall of Fame. And so we win, the, we win our, our title now and take it to uh, the NCAA. It's really exciting for the entire community. So besides basketball, what would you want people to know about St. Peter's? Oh, what I would want people to know about St. Peter's. So we're a Jesuit uh, university, one of 27 Jesuit colleges and universities in the United States, which, as I'm sure you know, are institutions focused on high quality uh, teaching and learning uh, and scholarship. Uh, we're not really that small because in total we have three th- a little over 3,000 students because we have th- almost 1,000 graduate students at the university in addition. Um, We're an urban school, right? We're in Jersey City, one of the most dynamic, fast-growing metropolitan areas in the United States, which has seen an amazing renaissance, uh, and one that started at the waterfront and now is right there in our neighborhood. Um, And we are a very diverse uh, university as well. We are uh, 50% Hispanic, we're uh, 20% African-American, and 8% Asian. It is really a microcosm of the United States. You know, uh, we have with us uh, one of our regular basketball panelists, Bill Curry, who, um, if he can ever complete the celibacy requirement, would be a (laughs) a Jesuit priest. It's the only thing that's really kind of held him back from being uh, a Jesuit priest. So, Bill, I'm sure you you have a, I'm sure you have a, yeah, you know, well, don't even get me started. Um, so uh, <laughs> you, I'll tell you one thing. You couldn't prove it by Kelly Schumacher. Um, yeah. All right. So um, perhaps you have a question or observation for the president uh, of this fine Jesuit institution. We should say that Bill attended Georgetown undergraduate. And um, and at Northwest Catholic High School and St. Justin's Grammar School. Um, and, uh, and when I was thinking, listen, listening to the fight song, 
is that that is the only, not to cut into Julia's territory here, but that is the only borderline Gregorian chant fight song that I've ever heard. And I would, my first suggestion would be to go all the way, you know, just think of an actual Gregorian chant fight song. I think that would throw a lot of opponents off their game. Not uh, not Providence, uh, not the Providence Friars, probably, but uh, other than that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think Georgetown could handle it, but you know, uh, yeah. but I think I think it would be of great value. And um, uh, it, it 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 is it's amazing every year to see how many Jesuit schools are in this tournament. That's right. It, it actually goes back to uh, Catholic schools and in, in high schools and in, in grammar schools in inner cities in the earlier part of this century did an enormous amount to foster basketball. I say it's 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 mostly why Madison Square Garden got to be the Vatican City of college basketball, uh, because there were such deep roots in that community and part of the outreach. And I just want to commend you. I, I didn't know many things about the university that you just said, but that diversity and that commitment reminds me of that early church commitment in those cities that, yeah. that, uh, that connected it to the game. So, Ju- Julia, so, so thank you. Yeah. Thank Julia, you. Julia, you had kind of an early moment, moment of panic where it seemed like maybe St. Peter's didn't have a, a fight song. And I'm not really sure, you know, yeah. I don't know. Is that a fight song, Julia? Yeah. So, OK. Uh, I mean, obviously, Eugene can clarify here. But, uh, OK, there's some overall trends in fight songs that I have observed. <laughs> and one is that. Um, several of these schools have very recently tasked a music department or a student to rewrite their fight song, uh, in many cases to make it less racist or sexist, which is great. Um, and in other cases, just because their old fight song was kind of tired and bad and, you know, they had a contest. And um, that is how it seems like most fight songs come to be. So I think that the Peacocks, it makes sense you guys are a small school because you probably don't have a giant band um, (laughs) It's raring to play it at all times. But I think you could jazz up this fight song and I I think you would be in every March Madness tournament heretofore. (laughs) So so, I need to correct the record though. Yeah. So that's really not our fight song. Okay. Uh, Right, right. that that is a song that's near and dear to our alumni. um, you know, it goes back a long time. We really don't have a fight song because we really don't need one. We're oh. St. Peter's. Oh, hey Well, pre- pre- ask, ask the president who they beat to get into the NCAA tournament. Yes, uh, uh, Frankie is asking, uh, who did you beat to get into the tournament? Uh, oh, you, this, uh, we beat uh, Monmouth. Ah. At Quinnipiac University. And Quinnipiac? Wow. Yes. Oh, we, no, yeah. yeah. Mammoth. Yeah. Well, they're in the same conference. They're yeah. in the they're in the, the oh, same yeah. well, conference. Well, we yeah. So, so, so the bottom line the last is you game was with Mammoth. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're if you're if you're from Connecticut, you might want to root against St. Peter's, I guess. No. Uh, wow, Frankie. <laughs> no. Wow, no. Frankie. Yeah. No, not not after the president has been on our show. That's no, right. You know, this is how it works. We're all part of the same conference, so whoever wins, we support them. That's right. They they bring honor and glory to whatever conference that Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, it's been Mac. Gr- it's been back. Gr- that's right. Okay. It's been great to visit with you, uh, and we certainly are rooting, uh, if not necessarily wagering tremendous amounts of money uh, on St. Peter's University to in their in their battle against Kentucky in the first round. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Great. Look and look for us on Saturday too. All right. Go Peacocks. Yeah, All right. Go Peacocks. All right.
And yeah. that's faith. Does anybody do a good peacock impersonation here? You'd think that I would have a peacock, but I, I didn't workshop it. I'm not ready. Uh, all right. So uh, Eugene J. Kornakia is the president of St. Peter's University. We'll be back. Uh, with the rest of our gold ribbon ribbon panel or blue ribbon panel or whatever color they are, purple devil ribbon panel after this. All right, that is the uh, Texas fight song. I feel like it sounds like something else, though. Ba, 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 ba. It's like a Superman song or something. Uh, all right, so uh, that's the Texas fight song. We went out of the previous uh, segment with the Tennessee fight song. Uh, this is all because one of our panelists today, uh, Julia Pastel, is using fight songs to make predictions on the brackets here in March Madness. The, C- the technical producer of our show today is, as usual, Cat Pastor. Uh, and uh, Jonathan McPants is producing this particular episode, as he does every year. Uh, with us uh, are Bill Curry and Julia Pastel. They're sort of... They're sort of the, the I don't know what to say, really, the Joe Buck and Troy Aikman of our March Madness show. Uh, and then also with us, get the sounder ready, Frankie Graziano, a.k.a. That's right, Accu Frankie also with us. So, Julia. Um, yes. Maybe it's time, just so we don't miss it at the end, for you to yeah. say that as you sort of run through all these fight songs, pitting them one against the other, using your background in musicology to analyze yeah. Yeah. them. I mean, how do you see the whole tournament kind of playing out? Wow. Okay. So there is another category of fight song that I haven't mentioned yet, which is old timey songs. I guess the Yale one counts as the, well, no, that was real fight song. Um, where a famous song in that area is turned into a fight song. So a couple of those are really good. Um, Rocky Top is the Tennessee fight song, although that's a big cheat because like Dolly Parton has sung it, everybody's sung it. So they Tennessee went really far for me. They made it to my Elite Eight. Um, uh, I also have to mention in this category is Wyoming song, Ragtime Cowboy Joe, which made it very, very far for me. Um, we also actually, have songs- actually, could we just maybe even pause there for a second? Yeah. Uh, and we are going to uh, actually play. Let's just play 0303 there, Kat. That's uh, the University of Wyoming fight song, Ragtime Tech Cowboy Joe. We also have available, if we need it, Jimmy Stewart and Dean Martin singing that. Although, I feel like the, the Chipmunks did a version of it, too. Alvin and the Chipmunks. They did. That, they did they an did. excellent version. All right, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I interrupted you in mid-thought. But yeah, that's okay. I really love Ragtime Cowboy Joe because uh, it has lyrics like, he's got a syncopated gator and you ought to hear the meter on the roar of his repeater, which is just amazing. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. And it goes on and on. Try singing that when you're drunk. (laughs) (laughs) So um, here are my final four. Okay. Um, My final four were Texas Tech. They have Fight Raiders Fight. 
And it's just a really good song and it makes some big promises, which a lot of the fight songs are, um, they're really threat based. Um, <laughs> they're like all about the opposing team and how you're going to destroy them. But right. Texas Tech makes, you know, it's positive reinforcement. We'll praise your name, boost you to fame <laughs> for the Scarlet and the Black. <laughs> so they're really, they're really kind to their players, which I like. So we had Texas Tech, Ragtime Cowboy Joe, that's Wyoming. And then, um, oh boy, the Midwest division. I was very upset that AM got knocked out, which I did learn one thing about basketball this year, and it was that um, because they have an amazing song called Hullabaloo Connect Connect, which is just absolute nonsense um, and a great song. But in their absence, um, I took Kansas all the way to the final four with a fun Jayhawk song. But my ultimate winner of the entire tournament um was illinois has oski wow wow which is another absolute nonsense tune um and i learned that i love i love nonsense um so yeah my my finals were oski wow wow versus ragtime cowboy joe and it was a lot of fun i really recommend people go listen to these songs because they're really really silly you've been working Can in I just in- one observation and that is that Julia, you should consider doing like one of those William Shatner spoken records. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just all these all right. these lyrics. I I think it could be a real winner. A rocket man. I yeah. like it. But with Henry yeah. but with Henry Rollins. Um No, I think Julia could do it. Just, yeah. just just Julia. <laughs> Because uh, we're big fans of the uh, well, never mind. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, so that's 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 where it all ends for you. I just want to say yeah. that it's it's interesting to me that you've worked in improv comedy for more than fifteen years. I'm sure, and you just discovered you love nonsense. Um, well, yeah, I guess I've discovered that that's my favorite of all the categories. Is just absolute bananas words um whereas the i also love music and i have to say i have to give a shout out to yukon yukon's song is very very good and i know bill agrees with me there right right we'll, bill we'll yes be- i i i i felt that yukon's if, if we did it by julia's rules this year actually did the tournament by julia's rules uh, that's the one way that yukon could get to the final four right. i can sing it for you well actually we're going to play it at the end of the show okay so, there you go you uh, i'm not saying that you would wreck it if you sung it now i'm not saying that uh I'm not yeah. not saying that either. Yeah, no, it's a um, subtle implication. So I also want to give Bill and Frankie maybe a little chance to uh, perhaps in, in, indulge in similar acts of whimsy or just talk a little bit, bit about, you know, one or two of their favorite things about the tournament or who they think is going to win. But I just wanted to say two things on a personal basis. One of them is one, interesting, one reason I was interested in the first segment about the Yale fight song versus the Purdue fight song is that in our family – uh, my my blended family. I am a graduate of Yale University. Uh, my ex-wife's partner, Kent Jamison, uh, it just bleeds bo- Boilermaker Purdue madness. Uh, he's uh, and and in fact, they played here in Hartford uh, in the early parts of the draw a few years ago, and I I got tickets so we could all go watch it together. Uh, and so it this. You know, I'm I'm very comfortable with Purdue trouncing Yale, which I, I think is probably what's going to happen. But, um, but in fact, I couldn't. St- I know how sad Kent gets when the Boilermakers lose, and it, the Yale victory isn't worth it to me to have him be that sad. Uh, and then I want to mention my f- current favorite player. Uh, he plays for UAB. His name is Jelly Walker, uh, and he's really good. And I like saying Jelly Walker. Uh, and obviously, Jelly Walkers were a, a, a weapon under development by the Empire. Darth Vader was very upset that they never materialized because Jelly Walkers could have probably won the war against the Rebel Alliance. 
Uh, and uh, Jelly Walker seems like a very nice young man. And there are now hoodies that you can get that are in his honor with a jelly jar dribbling a basketball. And I want one of those. All right. So that's all I need to say. Uh, so, Frankie, I don't know. Mention a favorite player or your picks or you have the floor for a few minutes to say whatever you want to say. Well, first of all, I didn't go to Yale University. I went to the more modest University of Connecticut. Uh, but I picked uh, they're in UConn's bracket and they're probably going to smoke UConn uh, if they play them. I picked uh, Gonzaga to win it all. They have uh, some great tournament pedigree of late. They played in the championship last year, and they got these two twin towers that are seven feet and uh, 6'10 in Drew Timmy and also maybe the number one pick, Chet Holmgren. And But I do like these two guards that they got at UCLA, Jaime Jaquez and, uh, and Johnny Juzang. They went really far. They lost in a heartbreaker to... Uh, Gonzaga last year they could they can uh, do some noise and also uh, they they have this facial hair that's pretty cool uh, Jaime Hawk has uh, has this like chin piece and he wears the whole uh, the whole uh, headband thing that you have it's like a throwback and uh, Drew Timmy who plays for Gonzaga has the mustache so I don't know Julie maybe that's uh, in the future you've probably done this already maybe you maybe you do something with uh, with facial hair or maybe with octogenarians you got uh, Loyola Chicago's great uh, Sister Jean, I got them in an upset. I got them playing Michigan uh, in the round of 32 in an upset special, a 10 against an 11. Maybe you got a Sister Jean bracket next year. Yeah. Sister Jean doesn't actually play for that school. I just No, she does. Be clear. Oh, she does. Okay. Sure? Yeah. No, and I see Drew Timmy's facial hair, I would say, is very kind of um, kind of auxiliary uh, Boba Fett uh, kind of, you know, sort of futuristic Western look to it. He looks like he should be a gunslinger, but with some kind of, you know particle beam weapon or something. It's kind of like me when I started growing facial hair like 15 years ago. It's so much like you, I can't even <laughs> wrap my mind around how much it is like you. Uh, all right, so Bill Curry, you know, you have the floor for a few minutes. Well, I just want to say that, first of all, I, I, I kind of go with Frankie, except I'll say that one of two Jesuit schools is likely to win it all, either Gonzaga or St. Peter's. Uh, <laughs> uh, you got to make and, up for and, me and, saying bad things about St. Peter's earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to be nice, Frankie. You know, and uh, just just in case he's still listening. <laughs> but um, the uh, but Gonzaga is. I was I talked earlier about how the game has changed and it imitates the pro game, and you got step back threes and you got a star driven system. And then you watch Gonzaga, and if if, if you're an old style basketball purist, uh, they play the game the old way and really, really well. And the the second thing I want to say about it is that they're in the West as, as we are. And the dream outcome here, not a prediction, just a kind of pleasant uh, afternoon fantasy, would be Connecticut making it over a very tough New Mexico state tonight at 650 on your local station. And, uh, and then it has to face Arkansas, yeah. which is a also tough team. If Arkansas and, uh, actually doesn't doesn't Arkansas have to get past the Vermont Catamounts? Yeah, they do. Yes, they do, and 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 it's it's tough. Vermont Vermont, of course, wishes that and that that instead of Vermont, uh, Bennington had made it out of that uh, out of that out of that tough Vermont region. Yeah, but, but listen yes. to this, guys. I mean, these are fighting words. Okay. <laughs> High or the water of Lake Champlain was the green and gold, the emblem aspiring to wondrous fame. Come on. How can they well, And let me just, let me just say, to, on that basis, I've learned my lesson from yeah. the time that Julia's bracket beat mine <laughs> yeah. when I did mine based on who I thought would win, and she did hers based on which mascot could eat the other school's mascot. <laughs> and uh. that's why I've always accused her of cheating. But... I'll, I'll switch that. I'll go with Vermont over Arkansas. But in any case, we'd have to beat those 
We'd have to win those two tough games. And then we would face uh, in the Sweet 16, Gonzaga. In San Francisco. Yeah, and 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 that's right, because we're in the West, because we're UConn. And, uh, uh, and we'd have to face Gonzaga. And if we won that game, it would be uh, the second greatest upset in the history of UConn sports uh, after that time we beat Duke. And if we did win that game and Duke made it past Texas Tech, we could be confronting Coach K for one last time in the Elite Eight. Mm. Now... Is that going to happen? Nah, I don't have a prediction, but wouldn't that be lovely? Right. I just want to say one thing. I'm just going to sound like Bill Curry here, just or, or Frankie or something, like somebody who knows something about basketball, which I definitely don't. But um, Vermont is an interesting school because they play in like the Maple Syrup Conference or something. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's something like East. that. Yeah. It's it's not it's it's not theoretically. They Middlebury. Right. It's not theoretically that competitive a conference. <laughs> However, I don't know why I know this, but they won their conference tournament game this year by 39 points, um, yeah. which is, I think, the biggest margin uh, for a victory in a Division One basketball tournament since 1989. And when you win your tournament game for 39 by 39 points, it kind of suggests you're a little bit better than your conference, like, you know, better yeah, than the— down. They yeah. smoked yeah, UMBC. I, I follow your line of thinking here, but, but they're going down. Uh, by the way, they, it reminds me that the UConn women won their tournament by 30 points. Uh, that was over Villanova, a team that was their last defeat nine games, ten games back by three. And they look uh, uh, to uh, really possibly put together uh, a really fine team after a year of such injury and adversity. And uh, uh, and they've got a road that uh, goes uh, uh, through stores and Bridgeport to the, straight to the final four. I'll bet they make it, and I'll bet they're highly competitive when they get there. Hats off to Gino once again. Yeah, I was there. I covered that game. They had nine deep in that tournament. At least five uh, players. Excuse me. At least nine players playing fifteen minutes each. They're very deep. Wow. So we're wow. gonna we're and, gonna and compare that to the early season, Frank. That's that's amazing. We're gonna have to wrap up there. I do want to just quickly point people if they want towards a, a kind of a lovely story. University of San Francisco, of course, the college at one point of Bill Russell has uh, on its uh, roster a center from Ukraine and two teammates who are from Belarus, and they have banded together uh, and put out a kind of a video pleading stop the war. Belarus, obviously, uh, you know, nominally on, on the side of Russia in this conflict. So, Julia, we're gonna end with the Yukon uh, fight song. Song, uh, you got to like 10 seconds just to tell us anything you want us to be thinking about while we're listening to the Yukon fight song. Oh, gosh. Uh, rhythm, spelling, it's got it all. Um, this is, I'll say this, this is the one I know. I hate those fight songs that are riddled with misspelling, particularly the University of Richmond one where they're just so drunk they can't spell Richmond. All right, here's the song. Thanks to all of our wonderful panelists. <laughs> 